Welcome, everyone, to the Our Strange Skies podcast. I'm your host, Rob Christofferson, and I'm joined today by Nicole and Noel from the Quite Unusual podcast. How y'all doing this evening? <laughs> so good. How are Great. You? Couldn't be better. How are you doing? How are you, Rob? How, How are am you? I? Last, last week was a rough week. Fell down some stairs, got sick, but we're mm-hmm. on the recovery now. We're doing this. Uh, we, we initially, uh, scheduled this back in November and, uh, some stuff came up, but now, now we're doing this thing and, um, you, you have the privilege of being on the last episode of the Our Strange Skies podcast for a while. Not, not, not forever. Is this season, like the series finale? No, the season finale or the series finale? Don't tell me series. Uh no, I don't think it'll be a series finale. But uh, <laughs> I I've ignored this podcast feed since back in August September. So uh, I kind of felt like it was uh, uh, worthy to kind of do a send off and to explain why I'm disappearing for a period of time. Uh, but in doing so, we're talking about one of the most important publications when it comes to humanoids. And I'm obsessed with humanoids. Humanoids are great. Um, they're weird. They, they, they do weird stuff, which is right up my alley. So, uh, one of the inaugural publications to really dive into the history of these things is called "The Humanoids: A Survey of Worldwide Reports of Landings of Unconventional Aerial Objects and Their Alleged Occupants." Tight title. It is the you know. <laughs> We're talking the tightest title that you can honestly put on the cover of any uh, publication from Flying Saucer Review at the time. Uh, (laughs) But um, this is uh, kind of a little uh, summary of what this is from uh, this fun little book called The Mammoth Encyclopedia of Extraterrestrial Encounters that I just so happen to have. Uh, this entry is by a guy named Randall Fitzgerald, and it reads, edited by Charles Bowen, 11 essays survey more than 300 reports of spacecraft landing and disgorging alien occupants. (laughs) Beautiful. Just vomiting them right up. Yeah, basically. That's, you know, that's what's happening here. Just vomiting aliens all over the place. That's all UFOs do. Uh, these occupants are of every imaginable shape, size, and color from giants over eight feet tall to tiny dwarfs leading Bowen, the former editor of Britain's Flying Saucer Review magazine, to conclude that, quote, UFOs and their occupants are in the eyes of the beholder, end quote. So first and foremost... <laughs> As is beauty. Beauty, yeah. beauty and UFOs have so much in common. It's always yeah. in the, only the eye of the beholder. Well, and also what I found with just reading the what you sent us for mm-hmm. this every humanoid why do why are they always wearing coveralls oh my is God. that like a thing that they you know need why? to be wearing i know why is that like the space suit i don't even know <laughs> no 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 you'd like to think so that coveralls. they're sponsored by carhartt yeah so yeah mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah mechanics and lesbians there is what is. they all are. Yeah. It's fine. Humanoids love. But, I mean, love we've just cracked the humanoid riddle here. We know what it <laughs> I is. Think we're done here. Just, all right. I, this it. is why I'm shutting down the podcast. I mean, I have no reason to continue <laughs> at this point. But the reason that this publication emerged in 1966 when it was published, and it was republished a couple of times, I have the, um, this is the second reprint from May 1968, is for a couple of reasons. The first being that in 1965, there was this kind of giant wave of UFO and humanoid sightings around the world. Like there was a Mm -hmm. lot going on in the U.S., uh, Canada, Europe, South America. There's just like a lot of stuff going on. The year before, 1964, an incident called the Lonnie Zamora incident kind of opened mm-hmm. people's eyes. Um, for those that need a refresher on it, this uh, police officer in Socorro, New Mexico, uh, he's uh, chasing a speeder just outside of town when he hears uh this loud roaring sound and he sees this kind of cone of blue flame just in the air he didn't see any object but uh he believed that the the uh mayor's dynamite shack was about to explode so he decided to drive towards it you know it's it's these yeah it's the smart move you know um you know he was a police officer though so it's kind of his job Mm -hmm. yeah you can't fault him there for that in the process of driving in that direction, he ended up uh, witnessing an egg-shaped object sitting on the ground in this arroyo. And he saw two humanoid beings. And the investigation that came out of this case was top-notch. There was mm-hmm. physical evidence left behind. There were supposedly metal fragments found that uh, kind of mysteriously disappeared there was just a lot of credibility behind that that case in particular right mm-hmm. um i feel like when your town has a mayor that has a dynamite shed mm-hmm. <laughs> like the credibility just it's built in you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it's just there it's like no one in this town's going to lie the mayor is the king of the dynamite and the mayor of the city <laughs> like you're yeah. you're just full, it's full of honest folks just telling yeah. honest well, things and he was known for his integrity so he's not a guy it's gonna be lying. Who's the police yeah. officer? Well, no, they don't call him Honest Lonnie for no reason. Like let's <laughs> exactly, they don't have uh, a monument dedicated to this man out there for nothing. Yeah. And uh, it's still it's the case that got me interested enough in this subject to eventually start a podcast after seeing it on Unsolved Mysteries when I was a teenager. Oh, so yeah. I mean, it's an important case for that. You know, just just based on that. Uh, and what people that were investigating UFOs, UFO landings, because by by this time, a lot of UFO investigators did not want to give credence to UFO landings and humanoids. They just mm-hmm. they thought it took credibility away from the subject. So they just ignored it for a long period of time. And then you get to 1965 and it's like, well, OK. There's a lot of documented stuff here. We can't really ignore it anymore. And the final thing from Bowen's perspective is that uh, at the time, the uh, Air Force was searching for a civilian group 
or a civilian body to invent like in- investigate the subject go through their files and such uh, what eventually became the condon committee uh and with this publication they wanted it to be about more than just people seeing lights in the sky at night so mm-hmm. so we get the humanoids out of this um and right. it becomes so popular it gets a second reprint like this was uh, the first special edition of the Flying Saucer Review, of which there are five volumes, uh, and it eventually gets published into a book that uh, gets expanded a little bit. But it it does a good job covering damn near every part of the world. I mean, they they try to touch on every part of the world, uh, and you know the the major players here are the United States. Uh, there's a bunch of European countries, France. Yeah. Latin uh, America, UK. too. It's a big part. Yeah. yeah. And there's uh, uh, one uh, random Spanish case, which which we'll get into. I think it is one of the best cases on the planet. <laughs> I think I know Just... what you're talking about. And I, yeah, <laughs> I think I know. I think <laughs> it's pretty funny. Yeah. It is. It's really funny, and it gets into the idea of of what these cases represent. So I I think one important thing to distinguish is like uh, the way we a lot of people view like alien contact now is like alien abductions, people being <laughs> nabbed, like the contact experience being about what aliens can get from humans and um, putting them through the most traumatic experience possible in order to make that happen whereas this publication kind of goes against the grain there the one thing that it does though is it with the exception of um one guy named reinhold schmidt who was a a contactee from 1957 this this publication largely ignores the contactees with (laughs) and and i get it you can only include so many reasonably tall fair-haired venusian people and still maintain your credibility it's just it like, that's enough that's enough of the swedish models we don't need yeah. that here okay let us regular folks join us yeah. regular humanoids around five five we want the little ones with like the gray skin that's right yep. we want the yeah. ones that like like have a beer with you know not the ones you're seeing on the runway we don't yeah. need any more of the that. cool no. belts that shoot vapor from them we want those guys yeah. i do i do want a vapor belt for christmas <laughs> it is on my list that would be cool as hell. Uh, you know, I'm thinking like Batman utility belt is what aliens have <laughs> oh, yeah. and they could just oh, somehow yeah. just, you know, stun people, but using crazy smoke going against that narrative of alien contact is the idea of non-contact, which is what this publication largely gets into. And one thing that Gordon Creighton writes, quote, One of the things that commends a number of their accounts to us is the strangeness and often very pointlessness of the activities of the reported creatures. We feel that a hoaxer would be more inclined to give the story a beginning and an end. So Mm -hmm. with these classic cases, there's an event and it just ends. That's it. Yeah. Or it's like something weird and they're like, we want your rabbits. And then Mm -hmm. they take the rabbits or they want We want your dog. And then they Mm -hmm. then they. And they leave. Yes. Someone tried it's to like, take my dog. 
I would end, yeah. I would go full but Keanu. But if, if someone were trying to hoax you, you would think that they would like go all out and yeah. try to be like, and go for like the horror aspect and like try to scare you. But these guys are just like, we're just kind of observing, observing you yeah. guys. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And the idea that like, they don't want you to get close. <laughs> they would like you to maintain <laughs> uh, more than social distancing at this point. Like they, they want you at least 20 to 30 feet back. And if you get any closer... Uh, they have some really gnarly technology that'll just like put you on your butt and like mm-hmm. I get it I totally I mean, get it that's how I feel about like a girly that uses filters on the Instagram it's like don't mm-hmm. get too close I don't <laughs> want you to see these crow's feet you you can't see these left lines in real life yeah don't filter yourselves by standing 30 feet away from me so I get it they just probably want to look and find their light yeah you know? seriously throw on that lash filter there's nothing wrong with that I totally <laughs> you understand. have to yeah <laughs> You absolutely do. Another quote here. Uh, Another noticeable aspect of the stories is the way the creatures or occupants appear in a multitude of shapes and forms, a characteristic of the UFOs as well. There are current theories that this may in some way be due to the environment of the witnesses, that the UFOs and their occupants are in the eyes of the beholder. If there is any truth in this, then we may be forced to re-examine certain of the contactee claims on which this review has never slammed the door without good cause. That, however, is not our purpose in this issue. Instead, we devote our efforts to the presentation and study of reports of landings and the humanoid occupants. So, yeah, uh, right, right there. You know, throw, throwing a little shade at the at, at the contactees, but um, <laughs> what this publication touches on is the fact that the extraterrestrial hypothesis does not really fit with what has been reported and what they are presenting within this publication, and there are. There are people in this in in the publication, Coral Lorenzen. I've been reading a lot of Coral Lorenzen lately. Truly, one of the best uh, thinkers on the subject. I completely disagree with her most of the time, but <laughs> uh, just like incredible in that she also plays a role in kind of documenting this history uh, of humanoids. Because a year later, she's the first person to publish a book itself it's called flying saucer occupants and it touches on a lot of the cases that are in here uh mm-hmm. kind of does a, a worldwide um kind of view of it i like in her her essay which she covers the uh united states occupants that had been reported up until that time she basically believes that it's the extraterrestrial hypothesis and it's it, everything else is down to witness error and it's like okay mm-hmm. But I mean, have you read this though? Have you read this? Because that doesn't seem like witness error to me. But right. you know, just to get into like the the people that contributed to this, um, mm-hmm. you know, we got we got the uh, the old man Jacques Vallée. He uh, contributes Valet, yeah. a, an extensive piece on the uh, infamous 1954 flap in Europe and South America, which is. Um, it's it's really really crazy. Antonio Ribeiro is kind of uh, Spain's preeminent uh, UFO investigator. Gordon Creighton gets into the humanoids of Latin America mostly because he's able to translate like six or seven languages. 
William T. Powers covers the Socorro case, uh, Coral Lorenzen occupants in the, the United States. Uh, there's a great essay by Donald Hanlon about mm-hmm. questions of the occupants in which he kind of takes valet to task uh, in his two books, saying that certain uh, witnesses aren't reliable and stuff. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty good. I think the most interesting case here, uh, or interesting piece, is by uh, Amy Michelle, who is one of Valet's mentors in this field, and he talks about the idea of non-contact. So um, the problem of non-contact, as it's known, is this idea that if there are aliens out there, they would have, you know, the, the infamous White House lawn scenario. They would have landed on the White House lawn. And I mean, this has been an issue that has gone back to the, there are people writing letters about this to the New York Times in 1926 saying, well, they could land on Broadway. We throw them a parade and everything. <laughs> right. Would we? Uh, would we? Uh, OK, so I want to take a second. Would we throw a parade for aliens? If if um, if the landing happened, would that happen? Are you saying like right now, like in today? Yeah, today. Today's world. Uh, no, absolutely not. Yeah, I feel like first people would, wouldn't would believe it. They would just mm-hmm. write it off as a hoax. That would be everyone's uh-huh. first reaction. I know that mm-hmm. would probably be mine. And then if it, w- if it were confirmed that they were, like it, these are aliens, everyone I feel like would they would just be met with aggression. And a lot of gunfire. Yes. That's oh, what God, I think. Yeah. Especially, yeah. well, in America, yeah. may I still s- speak for the Americans. May I spiral for <laughs> one moment, please? Permission to spiral. As a country that is essentially a war machine at this point, um, I don't think that they would be met with anything but hostility from our government, if I'm being completely honest. I mm-hmm. think that it would be seen as a threat. And I think that this might be a hot take. Aliens are one of the major existential threats that could end human life as we know it i mean Mm -hmm. if you just go like very very bare bones here when people colonized untouched like when when countries were colonized that previously had been untouched the occupants of that country died of very common diseases that the colonizers were used to Mm. who knows what they could bring to us it could be of mm. uh, the last of us moment and they bring like a spore of something <laughs> and then we all get taken over by mushrooms like or something like that so i think that aliens are like a massive existential threat in a way yeah because could- we don't know and if they have the technology to reach our planet they are so far advanced from us that we will never be able to catch up. If aliens are here, which I believe obviously in aliens, I'd like to believe aliens have been here. If we, if they feel safe enough to land on Broadway, on Main Street, what have you, Mars attacks style in the middle of the desert where everyone sees them, we are effed. Well, you can also make the argument that we've already made contact and the government already knows. For sure. I'm saying Eisenhower already has that treaty. I'm saying if they (laughs) for sure. I'm saying if they have like the audacity (laughs) to like land in the middle of a populated area, then they're in charge. Like this isn't 
for us anymore. Like this isn't the government hiding them in bunkers. This isn't, you know, people working with the tall whites underground in bunker and whatever. This isn't little secret treaties at whatever. This is we're here. Get used to it. And mm-hmm. I think that there's no way it would be met with anything but fear, like hoax, hoax propaganda for sure. Like, oh, is it yeah. real or the TikTok thing? And then right. after that, I think it would immediately be, oh, no, this is terrible. And my boss would be like, is there a reason that you weren't on the 9 a.m. meeting today? Because you still have to work. Yeah, I know we're being invaded. But is there a reason you don't give me those TPS reports by the it's, end of the exactly. day? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like whatever. It's if they're if they land on Broadway. <laughs> I would I would think it would be a part of the show, honestly. I'd be like, oh, what do they have on Broadway? What alien thing? <laughs> right. And like um we've all been exposed to this in uh one comic uh comic book, uh Watchmen. That's the plot to Watchmen yes. is like this yeah. fake alien invasion to unite yes. the planets, which is mm-hmm. I honestly, I think it's like Mm -hmm. Alan Moore's worst part of that book is like that entire thing. Cause it's like, no dude, you didn't think this out. Uh, I don't think you thought of that at all. Um, But um, yeah, I, I, I would tend to agree. Um, So there are a lot of people that have a lot of opinions on this idea of non-contact Stanton Friedman. So good on this. Uh, Stanton Friedman engages the argument in a more elite manner. He felt the intent of the aliens is, quote, not to seek out lunch with the loonies of Earth, but rather to get data at their leisure without much risk. He doubts that the Margaret Meads of Zeta Reticuli would care to live with the people who have made such a mess of a nice planet. Such remarks would ring truer had the Yuhufanats repeatedly shown a lack of social discernment. (laughs) I mean, yeah. I, I kind of agree with that. I feel like, well, in most of these cases, I feel like like data collecting and like observation mm-hmm. is a lot like that's the motive for a lot mm-hmm. of the cases that are in this book. Right. Yeah. When you think about the idea of non-contact, there was the idea that Charles Fort put put forth back in like the 1920s which is where that quote we are property comes from is like, well, maybe the reason why aliens don't visit us is because we are the property of some type of aliens and they keep those other aliens Mm -hmm. away. Like, like the, the, the interesting theories uh, that that man had, but in Amy Michelle's piece, which I, which I find fascinating and which really gets into uh, kind of the style of these cases when you read them over and over again, because there are a lot of, similar hallmarks the idea of non-contact is the way that he looks at it is that the aliens do visit us and they don't want anything to do with us they like contact is not the point of what they are here for so Mm -hmm. and you have example after example after example of this there's only maybe like five cases max in which five six seven in which like contact is the point of the cases. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, these are kind of the classic cases of the day. Uh, the Donald from Cisco Grove case, which is, it's a chilling one. It's not one I'd, I'd want to be a part of. I don't want, you know, alien robots chasing me up a tree and trying to get me mm-hmm. out of it. 
uh, in the <laughs> California woods. I just don't, I don't see that being a good time. The Antonio uh, Villas Boas case, yeah, which is, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a case right there. Yeah, uh, so he's, he's just got like a kid floating around space then. <laughs> basically, like, <laughs> he's like, as long like as I'm that, before, we're good. Yeah, She's like, I, I kind of one thing from you. <laughs> yeah. I just want like that heart song. All I wanna do is make love to you. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's all it is. Good for him. And I, I and you know the thing is, is like we'll we'll never be able to ask Antonio Villaspoas about this. And maybe if his kid visited him at any point, his space kid. <laughs> but it's just like that space kid now is um in his 70s i think at this point so uh that time is near up there yeah who even yeah. knows 70 could be the 10 years old in his 70 the new four world. wait 14 the new 20 wait what is it <laughs> 70s the new 20 all i know is he looks amazing yeah exactly <laughs> kind of um when you think about the features of those two and i'm picturing it in my head right now and um the bright, the, you know there's a giant there. forehead there's just a giant <laughs> forehead there you can't it's the main feature so that kid always wears a hat or has bangs Wait, so is it, didn't the alien also have like bright red hair too isn't that a, a thing yeah or is that a yeah. thing yeah this has got like, yeah. bright red hair Beautiful. yeah and, and like you know they were they were two they were both kind of like short so i think like you know probably towering tall above both his parents I, that's that's just how i see it happening you don't know yeah we don't know alien biology i i want to touch on some of the cases in this thing because they are they are just so so fantastic and it, and i think we got to touch on the the uh the spanish case oh my god this is this is antonio ribera's um mm. contribution to this thing yes. the landing at uh the Aras del Saz and it involves this young kid um Maximo uh, Maximo <laughs> Munoz Ernest yeah. he's four, 14 years old i think yeah he's he's just a he's he's just a teenager at this point and he lives on a farm in this kind of rural part of Spain. Like, like Ribera makes it seem like, well, they don't have clocks out there. They don't uh, have electricity. Right. They don't have anything. Yeah. Um, I think he even mentions that, like, the boy couldn't even read. Like, he's illiterate. Yeah. So they're pretty, yeah, pretty basic out there. This kid's outside. It's July of 1953. And he's just uh, sitting there. I think he's looking over some cattle. And uh, he hears this kind of whistling sound behind him. So he turns around. And uh, at first he sees what he thought was a balloon. But uh turns out it's this kind of bright glowing object that's four feet, three inches in diameter, just sitting there on the ground. And these three small beings get out of this... Uh, <laughs> this object um and and one of the common things that you hear over and over again in these cases is that they have asian features uh which is yeah. always interesting mm -hmm. they're wearing blue suits um again i just 
I just assume that one piece fashion is just what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's easy. It's he, that's why I like to wear dresses. You don't have to think about matching pieces. It's just one and done. Yeah, exactly. Like if I got you know, a Carhartt sponsorship. That's all I would wear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like uh, even mm -hmm. if I'm, you know, wearing overalls, I'll take it. At this point. <laughs> you don't have to wear um, a belt. You're in overalls. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even need to worry about it, which is nice because. <laughs> uh, something I worry about sometimes and uh, I just don't want to anymore imagine you know a, a bunch of figures that are about two feet tall just a little yeah. under just he said, walking he up like to 10, you 10 inches isn't that what it said on the thing like super tiny um, like 10 let inches me, let me well, see literate and doesn't know how to tell time but he is incredible at estimating height like unbelievable <laughs> yes <laughs> like he knows a mile like he, he was on it he also calls them little chaps which i think yes. is really cute <laughs> the yes. aliens little some little chaps how offended so, would you be if you walked in somewhere and someone was like oh hey they're little chap like, oh, <laughs> well, well okay. i mean they do kind of get a little offended so they do. The claim was they were 65 centimeters tall, so that's about two two feet. Um, oh. And, yeah, they have Asian features wearing blue suits. They got hats with visors on them. And just, like, there's three of them. And they're kind of, they're doing that thing when, like, you know, bullies approach a kid at school. You know, you've got one on either side and, and the person in the middle. <laughs> And the one in the middle, he stands in front of Maximo and he starts speaking, but he doesn't understand what what he's saying. And he tells him that. And this short little being just goes up to him and slaps him in the face. And they turn around and get back yeah. to their UFO. This, this, that's why this is the best story in the entire book. Because he's just like yeah. trying to talk to him. And he's like, I can't. I don't know what you're saying. And he's just like, Whoop. yep. And then yeah, just away. that's it. Just. And you're talking about contact here. Like, mm -hmm. what is going on? I I mean, this is yeah, this is the 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 best story um that uh is is featured in this thing. I, I think the 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 Villa Santina case is um interesting because in the book, um there's actually a it goes into greater detail because uh, they end up uh, finding uh and it was an interview that Rapuzzi Luigi Johannes, just a name and a half right there. It is <laughs> so an good. Amazing, yeah. Smooth, it really everyone does. is smoother than the last. Yeah. Like for a famous Italian painter of his day, like it is, it is up there. And I think that's the most, uh, one of the most interesting aspects of the Villa Santina case is like, this dude's a famous painter. You can Google his paintings and like, at a certain point, they do get very trippy. They get like very UFO themed uh, mm -hmm. after his encounter. But the story, the way that they tell it in here is that he's out painting in nature. But the true story is, is that uh, Johannes was an amateur geologist. He liked rocks. He was obsessed rock with rocks. And he decided to go out looking for rocks. And he comes across... This weird object that looks like it's embedded into a mountain nearby. There are these two short beings. Like, this is, like, one of the earliest humanoid encounters of 
like the modern age. This is like uh, mm-hmm. August of 47. 47, yeah. He sees these short beings. They've got green skin, really freaky looking large eyes. They are wearing blue one-piece suits with red belts, and they've kind of got these brown hats on. And he just kind of starts waving at them, thinks they're kids, (laughs) and then one of them touches their belt, and he's magically paralyzed. (laughs) Yeah. No, they take his stuff, too, or they take his easel. Uh, So, yeah, he didn't have an easel in the story, but... uh, Oh, maybe the one that that we read, that the end of yeah. yeah, this is uh the one in this one is like uh it's kind of a it's kind of the schoolyard version, the one that you you know pass around from um mm-hmm. uh but they inspected his they picked up his rock hammer, I think, and they inspected kind of his belongings, did whatever they did. Like he was paralyzed for a few minutes while mm-hmm. they're just like looking around, doing their thing. You know, meanwhile, Johannes is just laying on the ground watching aliens rifle through his stuff, and then they eventually <laughs> screaming. Just yeah, yeah, um, because like, like again, the the picture of these guys is not. Um... I'm gonna say, oh, it. Yeah. I like their energy. I like that they're just little bullies in great little outfits, and they walk <laughs> up and they're like, "Via chica than you are." Slap. Let me get your hammer, and then they like grab the hammer and they're like, "Bye." Yeah. I love, I love this energy. It's yeah. dark. <laughs> just it really bullying. is. And I mean, the sketch is so good. You know, like if that came oh, up to God. me, I, I I don't know what I would do. I, right. I'd be freaked but They out. do kind of look like kid, like from far away. They definitely, I could see how he was like, oh yeah, those are two kids. And then the closer they get, you're like, no, those are actually terrifying humanoids. <laughs> so the angriest kids. And I'm met. frozen and they're just rifling <laughs> through my things right now. It seems like in in alien sketches, regardless of whether they look human or not, they always kind of have this semi-stoic look on their face like they don't really want to be here and um, they wish they could be anywhere else right now. Same. That's how I feel at work, so I get a... (laughs) You know, like it's it's the exact look that I have on my face when I'm at work. And it's just like, why can't I be a humanoid? You know, it's it's not a vacation. They're not on vacation. They're there doing. Yeah. They picked like the short straw and they're like, I don't want to go to Earth. Uh, Yeah. And then the ones that unfortunately have to go. So all of the pictures and descriptions of them, they just look like they're not having a good time. (laughs) Straight up not having a good time. I think the Saltwood case is probably one of the more interesting because uh, the thing about the UK is that they don't really have a lot of cases. Um, I don't know, apparently. With that, like, I always wonder, I mean, like, you you always hear stuff from America, Latin America, Mm. but UK, like, never, there aren't very many stories. Mm. I'm like, is it just because it's always cloudy? Like, it rains a lot? (laughs) I know why. I know why. They don't, their food's not that great. You know, they got the oh. fish and the chips. Sure, they got the bangers and yeah. mash. But like, what else are they offering? Mushy peas? I'm sorry. No nobody one, likes no nobody one likes Turkish delight. I'm sorry. No, they don't. No. Nobody. Like, have you ever had Turkish delight? It's not that good. I've never no, had it. I would terrible. never sell my brother to the white queen or whatever happened in Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe for one. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Aliens are like, oh, Turkish delight opt out thank you they have mac and cheese in america we're going there <laughs> yes and and i i don't blame them like 
all they need is to watch like any any kind of like uh show on the food network that is kind of <laughs> diners drive-ins and dives adjacent of people just yes. like visiting restaurant like the craziest restaurants in this in this country and and you'll be hooked you'll want to come here the saltwood case is interesting because it's a headless mothman batman yeah, uh, I, 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 um yeah it's just it's it's very weird um but this this group of kids uh the main witness is a guy named john flaxton they're they're out kind of walking around one night near uh sandling park in kent and they see this kind of red light that's hanging out in the sky and they're like not down with that so you know <laughs> trying to get away from it and when they turn around and and try to move swiftly away from the area they find that that either the same red light or another red lights in a field adjacent to them and Mm -hmm. shortly after that they see this shambling creature coming out of the woods that looks like a giant anthropomorphic bat with no head on it and it just scares the hell out of them ozzy osborne got to him exactly like way ahead of time it's it's a it's a depressing kind of thing to me like you know i i think in that situation i would have i would have sympathy for that creature is like man who did you dirty because like that's what they did do you you need help are you are you okay do you are you lost (laughs) and was it didn't wasn't this creature spotted for like a month too after that like it wasn't just these four it was like till i think december sightings of this were still happening around the area yeah there were a lot of people having ufo and humanoid sightings after that so it was um yeah for some reason uh it just kept showing up which is which is always the highlight of things is when like things stick around you really wonder why they would want to stick around Mm -hmm. Maybe he was looking for his head. You never know. Ooh. Maybe. I love horseman Maybe. style. Or may I offer a skeptic's approach to this? That it's just sort of like a foile do moment where everyone's like, oh, yeah, I also saw that headless bat guy. Yeah. I'm also included. All the cool kids are seeing Mothman. I saw Mothman too. Exactly. You know, it's like a pretty basic shape to be like, oh, yeah, I definitely saw that. This yeah. Creature with no head. <laughs> Who hasn't seen that? Whatever. It's basically a giant Gulf Breeze moment or a smaller version of that. Cause like, mm. I don't know. Gulf Breeze was interesting um, because. Yeah, uh, no, I don't know if I believe Gulf Breeze. We did an episode ooh, on it and I'm like, ah, ooh. I so, believe that sometimes people believe that they see things. The picture is right. what got me. I'm like, there's, that's not. <laughs> they're so good. I love those <laughs> pictures so much, dude. Like, I they're, can make that. I, I feel like I could like take a picture like that in front of like, I don't know, like a skee ball machine and like just like put enough Vaseline on my camera that it would look almost identical to that. Like mm-hmm. take me to a Chuck E. Cheese and somehow and I'll be able to throw something in the air and then snap it really quick. Jersey Devil style, throw a plate in the air and <laughs> yeah. I'll snap a picture really quick. Right. Slay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a great documentary on it's just a YouTube video uh, by a guy named Holden Hardman. It's called Revisiting the Gulf Breeze UFO <laughs> Sightings. It's It's like a couple of years old. He literally goes and like tries to figure out if the story was true or not and he's yeah. like no it's it's not true and like yeah, I, 
the world may never know. You know what? I actually, mm. I like believed it because I think I saw it actually on Unsolved Mysteries and then we mm. did an episode on it and um, like someone found plans that he had drawn up for like... Mm. They found the model. The UFO the- yeah. model that he was doing. I'm like, oh man, that's this isn't real. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe he just elaborated. Maybe he did see something and he just elaborated. And he immediately needed to make a little model of it. You know, I get that. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, that I think what's interesting during that time period is that there's kind of this factional war. You had the Buffon people investigating. They're like, no, this mm-hmm. is totally legit. This is what's going on. Then you had right. the people over at QFOS who were like, no, we literally plotted these this this uh, uh, flap on a map uh, on a graph. <laughs> and uh, basically, it's like, Every time that Ed had a sighting, oh, all these people came forward like every yeah. single time. So it's like it's a manufactured flat. Uh, so it's like it, it is interesting. And those photographs will always have a place in my heart, regardless of whether <laughs> I think Ed Walters is um, a, a an abductee or not. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's just it's just such a fun case. Uh, it is really me. fun. It was it was a fun episode. Fun. Too. You know what else is fun? Flap on a map. Yeah, flap on a map. Uh, <laughs> putting flaps on a map is put that flap on a is, map. Yeah, just th- totally throw it on the map and throw see. Map. Yeah, see what happens. Um, What's the worst that could happen if you put a flap on a map? Yeah, exactly. You have to flap. That's fine. It's giving <laughs> a lot Dr. of Seuss. a lot of UFO sightings. <laughs> it's just a lot of push pins on a map. It's yeah. fine. Who doesn't yeah. have that in their house right now? with red string connecting things yeah we exactly. we don't that would be crazy who would do that maybe you should maybe you should get work you know add that you know i think you need to add that to the repertoire and really you know yeah. do something with it yeah all right well we'll put that Some flap research. on a map research we'll mm-hmm. put that on the map for yeah sure. throw that flap on a map so uh <laughs> um the case of Cynthia Appleton, I think, is interesting, um, mostly because uh, in in what doesn't get covered in this uh, publication, because like I would kind of consider her a contactee um, because her contacts are with human looking aliens and they kind of appear in her uh, in like her den kind of uh, the way that she described it was like, you know, like a TV signal, a TV coming, mm-hmm. turning on and stuff. But mm-hmm. if you Google uh, stories about her, uh, she claimed that she was uh, going to give birth to uh, an alien human hybrid. So, you know, that's uh, oh. that's some pretty gnarly stuff back in the day because i mean you yeah. didn't get that alien human hybrid stuff in the 50s that often so All right i'm gonna guess that she never actually gave birth to it though well, right? insurance doesn't cover it so no she <laughs> definitely not she miscarry otherwise i mean we would have be having a completely different conversation right now. yeah we we would we really would um show me the child <laughs> gotta show us the child's you know, hold them up like they're Simba, you know, as, as a baby. <laughs> I, w- uh, I got to say, I would do it. I would do a whole photo shoot at JCPenney's if I had a hybrid child. I'd be like, look at this guy, 80s style. You know, you got to do it. You got to post it on Instagram, hashtag show me the child, whatever you're doing. Yeah, yep. you do that, like where you put him on like the sheet and it's like one and you like put the wreath around the one oh, yeah. to signify one month old. Yeah. What are his favorite yep. things? Mommy, um, <laughs> contacting intergalactic space stations um, and eating cats. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. He yeah. is elf. His baby's elf. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I was going to say that, uh, wow, brings up memories of my childhood watching it. Sure for Alfred. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Man, if only I was able to get to Melmac, but unfortunately, <laughs> I'm more of a um, Mork girl myself. You know, I summer there, so or sorry, with my boyfriend Mork. <laughs> totally fair. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, valet kind of goes to town on the 1954 flap, which is like, and and in true valet fashion, if you've ever read passport to magonia he just like lists out did names dates cases mm-hmm. uh got has kind of a, a a basic description of everything but like what i find interesting is that you know the main crux of this flap is kind of centered around france he does put that flap on a map though he he does uh, he does he, uh, yeah so uh there's an actual picture of that flap on him look at that it's just like putting swiss cheese all over that oh, all over yeah. that map it yeah. looks so good so well, we're good. in france so it's brie or something yeah, oh, yeah. pretty much yeah, they got the good so cheese culturally sensitive here they got the good cheese and they got the good wine so much so that mm-hmm. the, the oh. one pope at least relocated to france you know for a what? while i would mm. don't blame them yeah they got it all. Totally yeah. got it all. Um, but like the the nature of it is that a lot of French people who were either working, going to work, coming home from work, something associated with work. There's like almost half the cases are people associated with people going to work, having these humanoid and late, uh, UFO experiences, and and when you read through them especially the european ones a lot of them are the same they they're basically seeing these uh beings that are wearing um uh, quote unquote diving suits so they're you know totally rocking those one piece outfits kind of looking like um it's not fashion uh, week they can do it there yeah i mean like the aliens could use a fashion week to be honest with you because <laughs> It's just like the fashion that we get. I mean, you can only do so much with a one piece outfit, but, uh, you know, throw some yeah. texture on mm-hmm. it. It's practical. There's not a lot of fashion no. thrown into it. It's no. just mostly for space travel. It's utility. Some exploration. It's utility. I mean, you can add like some sequins, but other than that, I don't know. <laughs> we can come on. Yeah. You what can you personalize your coveralls. Yeah, I would. <laughs> Slay. Yeah, exactly. Your matching, like, your matching moon boots, your little baguette pocket. A thing that I love about the French sightings is I feel like French people are just so deeply unbothered and they're like, I am going to work. Can I help yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> and it was like normal people, normal occupations. They're just like, I'm just trying to get to work, man. And some of them didn't even know what flying saucers were. They're like, mm-hmm. what even is this? Or they didn't even. Um, they didn't even believe it even after they saw it, too. They're just like, I, that wasn't an alien. That it has to be something else they have no time for it and i love that energy they're like okay does this affect me no is this my business no i have to go bye i'm loud bitch (laughs) and and again gets to the point 
there's no real contact happening here. It's just mm-hmm. people are coming upon humanoids that are doing something. And, uh, you know, sometimes actually a good portion of these cases, people are just like immobilized. Like, don't get any closer. I'm just gathering soil here. I'll be done in a second. Mm-hmm. And then getting back in their UFOs. Uh, but yeah, there's one one case in particular that uh, occurred in northern Italy. So like this, uh, what's really interesting about this flap is how it jumps around. So it mm-hmm. starts in France, kind of heads uh, later on into Italy, and then it goes all the way across the Atlantic to South America, where in Venezuela, people are just being terrorized by the aliens from Nope, which, uh, you know, they, they do look like those <laughs> costumed aliens um, that they have. And it's like, what the hell is this? It doesn't make any sense. Right. It's um, like a nice location, though, like France, Italy, South yeah. America. I would do it. Let's yeah. do it. But what's interesting is that it's always like it's never the same type. Like no. like you get like the the small alien chaps, you get the tall Venusians, you get the weird nope thing. So it's like all of these different, I guess, species of humanoids were all coming down at the same time. So like what was going on in space that like all of these different, you know, like different species were like, we need to be on Earth. What is happening? We need to all observe Comic-Con. Collect. <laughs> They're all there yeah. for Comic-Con. Oh, right. Yeah. And like they come they come from everywhere, you know. They're coming for Comic that yeah, first year. Yeah. I that's the very first year. Yeah. We all know Comic-Con. secretly first year of Comic-Con 1954. That's when it yeah. started going down. That's what we all it. know that brought all yeah. the aliens. Here. Everyone listening knows that. And if you mm-hmm. don't, I mean, honestly, read a book once. Like, yeah, <laughs> seriously, we Weird. read plenty for this thing. And like, at least meet us in the middle here, folks. Come I read on. a book about Uncanny Valley for this for some reason. So I mean, <laughs> get I mean it's, it's it's a good that's a good read anyway. Uncanny Valley stuff is so yeah. fun. I um, would like to summer in uncanny valley you know like napa's so last season mm-hmm. i'm Seriously. all about uncanny valley this year i'm doing it yeah but you just don't know if everything around you is real or not that's kind of fun though right <laughs> it's just um hey i've been tripping on dmt the entire time what a vacation it was it was so am fantastic. i terrified in a chilies or is this actually uncanny valley i mean you yeah. could just do a bunch of shrooms and go to napa valley and i feel like you would get the same experience well what are we doing here yeah exactly uh i mean <laughs> plus there's wine involved so hell yeah yes mm-hmm. delicious so I think the the standout case here, um, this case one eighty six, uh, this is yeah a case from northern Italy in which a farmer sees a UFO on his property, sees some humanoids. He kind of hides away, watching them, and they they start to approach his rabbits, and he's mm-hmm. not down for that. So he goes and grabs his gun, and uh, what he finds is that he. he tries to take a shot and its gun fails and then it just becomes way too heavy for him somehow. Like he's like, he's got the mule near of uh, rifles at this point and he has to drop it. Um, and, you know, these, these people make off with rabbits. It's a terrible, it's terrible. They take his rabbits. I know that's like the worst thing. I'm like, take me instead of my rabbits. 
Yeah, they're exactly. Rabbits, actually. Or rabbits. It's like Elmer Fudd's like revenge or something. Like he's like <laughs> coming at them. He's got his wabbit and then he's got his gun. And but they're the ones wearing the little hats, the hats and little mm. outfits, and they're taking his wabbits. They picked up a transmission of yeah. it and they're like, we need to get in on this. We gotta do it. Yep. Yeah. It's a bad time. Like, it's the sad thing. Why why they gotta be yeah, why they gotta be taking animals and stuff? Like we don't we don't need to do that. It's okay. So yeah, the breakdown here uh, is uh, in 43 cases, the witnesses were at work when they saw the object for the first time. In nine cases, they were going to work. In 21 cases, they were returning from work. In 12 cases, witnesses were officials, guards, firemen, policemen on duty. For some reason, just totally messing with people, trying to make a living out here. And I'm not I'm not cool with that. That's no. No. Can you can you call in like UAP sighting to work? Like I am so sorry. I was on my way. I cannot come. I'm traumatized from seeing a UFO. So I guess Brendan's just gonna have to cover my shift today. Sorry, gotta go. This is the um, dog eat my homework idea. kind of yeah, uh, yeah. equivalent. Yeah, mm. your boss will be fine with that. I think so. There's nothing wrong. I There's be- a UFO yeah. stuck in the middle of the road. I can't get to work. It's crazy. Yeah, HR won't want to talk to us after that for sure. <laughs> There'll be no random drug testing. Do you think that there's something to say about like people just kind of like being so bored at work that they notice things happening versus like after like work hours when like you're enjoying your life and like you're kind of like busy like doing whatever with your friends and family or like by yourself or like you're just vibing out so like you don't really notice what's going on around you as much because you're genuinely enjoying your time. But when you're at work, you're just like literally counting down the hours to go home. So like, is that kind of weird in the skies? What is that, a cigar? A little cigar floating around the sky over there. And then like you pay more mm. attention to like these weird little anomalies and you have more of like a reaction to it because you're just so desperately bored at work. Yeah, I mean, I think there's I something- I might be able to answer this question. Okay. So I, I've had- a myriad of strange experiences over my life, ranging from ghostly encounters. I've had one humanoid sighting, many UFO sightings, and uh, a boatload of other stuff. Most of them happened to me while I was going to work, while I was either at work or um, while I was bored at work. So I think we've, I think we've got it, got it nailed. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of being serious, though. Like, if you're like when I'm at home, I don't really pay attention to like a lot of things that are going around Mm -hmm. outside unless it's something like catastrophic because I'm vibing. I'm in my zone. I'm in my nest. Like, I'm like living my actual life. Yeah. But when I'm at work, I am looking everywhere but my computer screen to just try to be distracted by something (laughs) else. Distraction. You're just doing like mundane things. And then you're like, oh. Yeah. Oh, hello. That shouldn't be here. Suddenly washing the dishes is the most fun activity of your day because it means you don't have to do work. So <laughs> seeing a humanoid or seeing like a ghost or seeing something, I feel like would genuinely take like take all of your attention and all of your energy and you're more likely to notice some sort of anomaly, some sort of strange occurrence. High strangeness, if yep. you will. I think we've... Uh... Yeah, we've proven it here. I, I mean, there there is no other explanation at this point. Will you, then. Will you tell us your humanoid story? Oh, yeah, sure. 
this is back in 2012. I was walking to work and this was like August 2012 and took my usual route to work. Get then approaching this one person's yard. There mm-hmm. was something like standing right at the edge of their property. Mm-hmm. And at first I thought it was like a deer because you kind of start to see deer showing up more and more around where I live because the, the pretty mm-hmm. much surrounded by woods. And I get to within 20 feet and I notice that this is something that's hunched over and Ooh. it stands up <gasps> and it's on two feet. So um, for the easiest way to convey what it was, it looked reptilian, like very reptilian, had a tail that kind of came up. It wasn't a very long tail, but it came up and it had very human features in the face. So like um, looking into its face and I could, you know, this was like 530 in the morning. It was standing under a streetlight. I was about 20 feet away. And looking into their eyes, it was very like you could see almost kind of like this um, human recognition of um, running through your head to realize to to figure out if the person standing in front of me is a threat. So right. it stared at me for about five seconds and then just ran into this per- the this person's backyard. Wow. Was it scary? Yeah. Were you How scared? How did it make you feel? startled more than scared like yeah, um like, what is this situation it, it wasn't it wasn't really threatening it didn't feel threatening mm-hmm. it, it was just like i don't know two two people catching each other out in the early morning and you know one just happens to look like it has scaly skin i can only imagine what i look like to them like who the <laughs> hell is this it's got so much hair on his head what the hell is this and i mean yeah. that was a time that was a time before I was really, you know, shaving my head. So um, mm-hmm. just like staring each other down, trying to figure out what what we're doing out here. And yeah, it's, I don't have any like I, I, I didn't really feel scared. And that's I mean, crazy. Got the hell out of there. I wasn't sticking oh, around because sure. it's just like and, and like, you know, the thought crosses your mind after that's like, fuck i still gotta go to work what the fuck that's what i'm saying like i don't want to do this i want to go find that reptilian man i want to make a reptilian friend like why can't i do that yeah you know like when you see like someone on the bus and you make like eye contact for a little too long and you're like what are we We exactly like we there's a connection now and i need to explore what this connection is what is it yeah, exactly. Now I have to be haunted for the rest of my life. Um, how tall? How tall was it? Like on a like, how many chaps tall was it? Would you say? <laughs> I would say um, two and a half chaps. Two, two and oh, a half chaps. Okay. Yeah, it chaps. wasn't short. It was. It was. It was probably about half, five, five feet, feet tall. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. Maybe it was just two chaps in a trench coat. Two chaps in a and a reptilian costume, just like Snake's having a moment. Uh, you know, I've I've never That's considered that. I've never considered that. And now, 
I'll never stop thinking about it. Thank you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Can you like picture it in your head? Like the way that it looked? This is amazing. I've never oh, seen it. I had a friend do a sketch for me. Um, really? Well, you'll have to yeah, show I'll, us that sketch. I'll, I'll show you. I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you in the chat here. Um, we got to put that, that flap on our map, you know? Yeah. Gotta, yeah. Oh, <laughs> got to put that flap on a map. It's just. got to do it. You gotta, you gotta do it, and you can't just not do it because that would. What be... are you doing? You know? What yeah, are you doing? Exactly. Not... What are you doing with your life if you, <sighs> not if you can't put that flap on a map? I mean, do you it's know? Just... Do you know why it's called a flap? I tried so hard to find this, and I don't know why it's called a UFO flap. And if there's anyone in this triangle of people that would know, I feel like it would be you. Why is yeah, it called a flap? I don't know why. Yeah. Is it because like when you like flip a pancake and it like splatters a little bit and it covers a little more area and you're like flat. <laughs> uh, to be honest, I don't know. It's just a. I, uh, need to know. Yeah, what is I have a deep need to know this. And I Googled everything I could think of to try to find why it's called a flap. And everything's like, are you trying to look for Jack's flapjack house? I'm like, no, I don't. I'm, yeah, I'm hungry now. <laughs> well, for yeah, sure. Now. Now but I like, am. But I got to know. Does Jack yeah. know? Who knows? No. Maybe he, maybe know. Jack knows. I think Jack knows a little more than Jack's letting on. Um, was he putting those flapjacks, man? Because I keep coming back. <laughs> you're put, you're putting some damn good stuff in those flapjacks. <laughs> Nothing wrong That's, with those flapjacks. In terms of the Latin American cases, there's um, there's a lot of class. Like, I think the the interesting part of the Latin American ones is like there's a lot of very tall aliens that are like seven eight ten feet tall some of them only have one eye um mm-hmm. you know the uh there's the infamous bello horizonte case from 1963 in which three kids see this very tall cycloptic creature get out talk to them for a period of time and then get back into their ufo oh there we, is one particular so mm-hmm. during this time, I did a lot of, like I said, like outside research out, outside of this. And I was trying to look up like what was kind of like going on in the world when these cases were showing up. And so in my research, I was finding that like in this like 60s time period, we have the escalation of the Vietnam War, which we all know mm-hmm. aliens are super not cool with us having weapons of mass destruction. Nuclear power. No. Yeah. They no. don't like it. And then also, like, the first nuclear power reactor was launched into space in April of 65. So, like, did that have something to do with it? The Soviets did their first spacewalk. It's like we're encroaching on their territory a little bit. Like, we're kind of being like a rock, like, it's like a raucous event going on on Earth. And then they're all showing up here. Is it to kind of, like, suss out, like, are we a threat to them? Are we, Mm. are we enemy? Are we dancer? Like, who knows what's going on? I don't know. I just thought it was kind of interesting that, like, we're or kind of, like... are we human? I mean... Are we humanoid? Nobody knows. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Where is Mr. Brightside? We need to ask him. I, I know. Where is Brandon Flowers? Can we get him, uh, 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 you know, Brandon in here? Seriously. He's got that song on that on one of his last albums about alien abduction, I think. And it, it just really makes sense. You know, oh, it's coming full circle. It is. It all yeah. makes sense. Mr. Flowers, you have answers. We have questions. Let's play Let's Jeopardy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get him and Tom DeLong in a room. 
I've mm. never seen them together. Are they the same person? Are they humanoid? You know, it was just, am I spiraling? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, when you put your flaps on on maps, that's how you. That's <laughs> how it goes. That's what anything it leads to. Can happen. That yeah. what happened? Anything can happen. So, um, there's there's one case in this um, in these South American cases that I don't know if these guys just came upon a murderer or what, but um, so <laughs> this this was in. Resistencia, uh, province of El Chaco, Argentina. At 6.30 one evening in 1963, date not established, the three-man crew of a freight train running from Presidencia La Plaza to Resistencia saw a tall being, quote, over two meters in height and dressed in one-piece red garment, walking along the railway, railway line towards them. The being was human, had a pale face, long hair, long fair hair, and was carrying something in both hands as though making an offering. It looked like the body of a small child. <laughs> Suddenly, when the locomotive was not more than five meters from the entity, he shot upwards as though in a whirlwind and vanished. What are we doing here? What the hell are we doing here? <laughs> First of all, very tall. I just looked up how tall or how long a meter is, and it's uh, it's super tall. This guy was like six seven, oh. and carrying around carrying the body of a child, just casually, or maybe just a, a short person. Maybe he was a ventriloquist. <laughs> you never <laughs> know. Um, the story doesn't get any better because uh, in Resistencia, at the same time. A guy named Justo Massin and his son were sitting in their garden at supper when, quote, a strange being descended towards them. His description of this being, as given to the press, tallied in all aspects with the account given by the train crew. So basically, some dude, mm -hmm. some yeah. space dude, got a kid. He's got a kid. Jumped in the air and landed uh, in in the next town over. I I. <laughs> I don't know how to. I mean, he could be a vampire too. He's pale face, long hair. He shoots up into the sky, flies. Incredibly, I don't know. Incredibly strong. Is he an alien? Is he a vampire? Did he sparkle in the sunlight? I we gotta know. Like that's know. that's the main um, thing that we don't have the answer to. Is I don't. What's that skin I, look like? Sparkle. I do love sparkle. <laughs> if it's sparkling, we know. Vampire. We know what he is. Say it. Mm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I like the like the visual image though of this six foot seven man just being like, and away, and he like zoop and just like spirals off into the air and then like lands. And he's like, hello. This spring heel like, Jack there. motherfucker is really just. <laughs> it's um, unsettling. It is. It hops. is unsettling. I'm. I'm freaked out thinking about it. Like, and I mean, it's it's a South American case, so you know. the 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 South American cases are always interesting because um, they are they have a distinct flavor. Um, and when you, as the decades roll on, they seem mm -hmm. to get more violent. The encounters with UFOs and stuff. So, like, I don't know what it is about. Um, 
you know, specifically Brazil and UFOs and why they got to be all mean and stuff. But, you know, apparently that's, uh, that's just the thing. Um, Do you think that they have like, this is just a total, like very dumb spitball question here. (laughs) Do you think that like different like types of aliens have split up our, our planet into like, this is like where you can colonize. And like, this is like where you can colonize. And like, like, so maybe like, the violent aliens have South America and that's like where they like, that's their summer home, like for lack of a better (laughs) analogy, I guess. That's their territory to terrorize. Yeah. Like they can do whatever they want there. I think what you've basically done is write a TTRPG right on this podcast. Like we can like take this and turn it into a tabletop game of, uh, you know, like maybe even like this style. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Different alien breeds. I, I mean okay but seriously like what if so like if they're seeing all these like tall white style aliens in south america like that's got to have something to it right mm-hmm. and then like we're seeing like the grays in uh, other regions and we're seeing like reptilians in other regions so like maybe like that is kind of like their their vibe like that's where they prefer to go that's where they're snowbirding or whatever <laughs> i know i'm that's, just saying i'm I don't just saying things at this point and just throwing flaps on a map here, but like what, you know, mm-hmm. we don't know. Anything is everything and everything is nothing. We don't know. There's no experts in any of these fields. Yeah, it's possible. Definitely. So, All we have are eyewitness accounts and they are kind of lining up a little bit. Yeah. So I think the other theory is, is um, what if earth was split up into a bunch of giant alien condos and that's sure. what's happening here. You know, you got them visiting. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they bring their own kind of like house and these UFOs, but it's just like, okay, yeah. you get this territory, you get that territory. And, exactly. and this is how it is. Like, so Earth is basically one giant timeshare. Like, that's it. Ooh, I like that. I <laughs> yes. agree with you wholeheartedly. And they all had to sit in a conference to get free tickets to Disney World, and they got suckered into buying into this timeshare. And it was Mm -hmm. like seven hours long, but they did it, and now they're like, they have to share it with like a bunch of other alien families, but I guess it's worth it. I mean, like the deal, the discounts, (laughs) the discounts alone, they would Mm -hmm. have lost money by not buying into the timeshare. Oh my God, yeah. Um, And you know what? I'm just going out on a limb to say that the, the, the the real estate agent here, Men mm-hmm. in Black. It's the Men in Black. <gasps> they have those nice suits. Mm-hmm. It makes perfect sense. Maybe they hired Ed Walters, Ed Waters, <laughs> to kind of make Gulfstream look like it was a desirable place to be. They're like, no one's buying into this timeshare. What if you like created some hype? Like, oh, all the all the aliens are coming here. Like, don't you guys want to buy in? Like, you know, kind of create like a sense of urgency. They're like, in cahoots. Yep. Used car dealer yep. style. And it just, it didn't fly, so. No, it didn't, you know, uh, and, you know, they jacked up real estate prices, did not go well, and no. it, it eventually just, it, it it slipped through their fingers. Yeah, I think that's what, I think that's what happened. I think, like, every flap on a map is just uh, another <laughs> instance of, <laughs> yeah, of an alien timeshare. <laughs> yeah, we solved it. That's the only to... logical explanation here. Okay, I but I'm being completely sincere when I say, doesn't it kind of make sense? 
if we're seeing I don't like this, need to do this podcast anymore. I really don't. This is, well, uh, this is the last episode you said. So for it. now. Yeah. Well, you got to yeah. do more. We got to explore this theory more. Yeah. It's going to consume my entire life. I will have <laughs> no life left after this. Um, but I mean, like... I think we've covered the nitty gritty of this publication. Like there's the, mm-hmm. the United States cases that, you know, by heart are in here, you know, of course you're getting space pancakes. It's in there. You're getting them. Um, mm-hmm. Again, so. Cisco Grove, which kind of Cisco Grove's an interesting one because project blue book wanted nothing to do with it. So it was kind of given to um, civilian investigators and even after that, they did nothing with with it for about, I want to say, over 40 years before the, the actual witness's name was in print and everything. His name is Donald mm-hmm. Trump. They call him Mr. S uh, in this publication. Yeah. But it's written about a couple different times in this thing. Don Hamlin writes about it in his piece about um, uh, the nature of contact and stuff. And... Coral Lorenzen writes about it. It's it's a it's a very weird case of aliens trying to get a man out of a tree and then and basically mm-hmm. by trying to get him high. Um, you know. <laughs> it's, it's 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 one of the weird ones. Um I'm trying to think if there's anything else i would like to offer some additional outside resources here that like okay. no one ever asked no before, please but I was looking things up um okay go so i want to go back to your comment on like the eye like it, ufos are an eye the beholder right mm-hmm. so this made me interested in human error so i started looking up stats on that so everyone knows eyewitness accounts like they're not solid they're not great Mm-mm. you and i can yeah. look at the same person and see a completely see different, different things yeah for sure yeah. so i looked it up and within one hour of seeing something a human being the average human being forgets 50 percent of the new information that they had seen in front of them yeah, yeah. but what if it's so like so significant like a ufo like, like isn't, isn't your brain going going to remember that more so than like what color was this guy's shirt Probably. I would think so. I know that like traumatic events stick in your brain deeper, but I don't know. I and mean, there has to be some sort of margin of error for that too. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, after 24 hours, you lose 70% of that initial information. And then also one third of humans have a form of face blindness. Yes. Where like we just do not remember what a person or thing looked like cannot recall it cannot draw it from memory no period will never be able to do it um additionally i just want to put this out there we talked about a lot of kids like this 17 year old um that's all the tall guy the that was carrying like the little kid and stuff his mm-hmm. prefrontal was not developed that's where you store all your memories mm-hmm. so like did he see that man or did he see like a tall man walking with a ventriloquist dummy and he was like, oh, and then he disappeared because he got on a train. He shot up into the sky. Wasn't He shot up into the sky, clearly. Yeah. Oh, wait, I, I mean, forgot. yeah, that's, a, I feel like you wouldn't, that's a big difference. But I mean, you don't know. Maybe he like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how you would fake shooting up into the sky. Though. <laughs> it's, it's pretty significant. I don't, I don't know how you would, but 
Do you want it's me to stop? Fair like, points. It's so fair I'll points. I'll stop. Um, this is just for funsies, right? Yeah. Um, so here's here's my take on it. Yeah. On on that kind of aspect, when it comes to these particular cases, because mm-hmm. they are so absurd, I believe mm-hmm. that the absurdity of them helps with the memory. It helps yeah, to probably solidify. yes. That is because probably they don't also. because they don't often just like make sense at all. It is literally like uh, because we're so preconditioned to um believe what alien contact is going to be like you know through like film television you know Mm -hmm. everybody talks about um you know that war of the worlds broadcast even though it only affected like i think one town in like chile (laughs) or something like that it it didn't have the giant impact that like in terms of impact uh-huh. Surely Jackson's the lottery stirred up so many more people than did that War of the Worlds broadcast. Like mm-hmm. there were people uh, canceling their subscription to the New Yorker after it was after it appeared because people thought it was real. People thought that there was some town in Vermont in which th- this happened, you know, so like um <laughs> the other thing, too, is like there was like a popular radio program at the time. Mm-hmm that everybody was listening to so like nobody was listening to the war of the worlds broadcast so yeah um but um you know it, to me there there's something about the absurdity of them and the, and like this was something that i told steve berg because we had mm-hmm. like a just like a conversation for uh, i think like an hour over zoom one day and i'm like man you know it's the absurdity of these things that like you know kind of makes it stick in your head and like i don't know apparently he dug that or something he thought it was a good idea but um <laughs> it's true though it's really yeah. true it is true. yeah because and then also you have like ufos and stuff like that like that wasn't really in like like te- there weren't a lot of television shows yeah, about the world movies like mm-hmm. i mean roswell was what 47 so i mean that was kind of somewhat fresh too with mm-hmm. like all so- of this Here's the here's the timeline on on Roswell that I think kind of gets missed most of the time. So mm-hmm. Roswell it happens in 47 and it dies in 47 until 1978. Mm-hmm. Stanton Friedman get is told about it from a radio DJ in New Orleans. He says, "Hey, go talk to this guy Jesse Marcel." And then from 1978 uh to 1980 him and bill moore they kind of investigate um and and start to piece together the roswell narrative um they publish a book in in 1980 and it takes about another decade before it actually catches on um with um like popular culture after unsolved mysteries (laughs) yeah it has this like weird trajectory, this weird path to being what it ultimately became. But um, the 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 other weird thing about um, UFO crash narratives is that they all emerged at the same time. So not only was it Roswell in '78 when it really starts to get some steam, there's a presentation that a guy named Leonard Stringfield gives at the MUFON conference in 1978 in, uh, I believe it's in Ohio. 
and it's it's this uh it calls it the um a crash retrieval status report and he gives six of them over his lifetime um like toward the end like he devoted most of the the rest of his life to like crash retrieval cases and Mm -hmm. basically it's him listing off a bunch of crash retrievals that like some shady sources had like told him (laughs) over and over again so like the the crash narrative is kind of interesting because like yeah there's some stuff in 47 some stuff in 1950 and then it's just kind of like nobody gives a crap about crashes until 1978 it's a weird trajectory and then all of a sudden something that everyone wants to hear about and cares yeah Yeah. but i mean for the most part like i mean in these like latin american um, latin america cases like these they were farmers like did they even Mm -hmm. have teams did they were were they even getting newspapers so for them to kind of have these stories where you're seeing the same thing in france it's mm. just weird. There's there's definitely something to it because I mean I mean bringing it back to the coveralls, they're all wearing coveralls. So yeah. how mm. are like from all around the world at this time like we're getting similar stories. So it's just it would be impossible for that to be happening if it weren't real. Right. That's what I'm mm-hmm. saying. It, it, or if the there wasn't something going on, you know, like the yeah. likeliness of it being a coincidence that people are seeing like the Mexican hat shaped flying saucer and then also the cigar shape and then these little outfits and stuff (laughs) the little outfits outfits. it's all about the outfit (laughs) like i i agree with you i'd also like to read another stat that i found (laughs) go ahead all right (laughs) at any given moment you your human eyes are only seeing approximately 10 percent of what you think you are seeing and the rest of like your like your brain fills in about 90 percent of that information Mm -hmm. so our brains operate in a way where like, because we are predators, we're like constantly scanning and we're, we see something and we think we know what it looks like, but a lot of times we fill it in, which is like the same reason why humans always look for faces in objects. You know, hold on. I have what that's called. Uh, pareidolia. So like when we like see something, we're like, does that kind of look like a face? But like it doesn't, but that's our like little lizard brain. Jesus like in your pancake. Or exactly. face on Mars, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so we're constantly doing that because it's like an evolutionary thing where we need to constantly be scanning for other predators so that mm-hmm. we're safe. So our brains are not taking in 100% of this information. So maybe there's like something pre-programmed into our brain to say, oh, this is a tiny little outfit that they're wearing. Or like, you know, like this is like what they kind of all look like when we're seeing a general shape, but we're so preconditioned to see like a face if you will mm-hmm. and something that doesn't necessarily have a face maybe we're all preconditioned to see something of a similar like a similar look a similar style i'm just gonna i don't know why it doesn't doesn't valet talk about that like flying saucer psychosis too in france yeah, that's the foie mm-hmm. do thing also it's yeah. like that shared like we're all a little bit crazy because you hear it in the news mm-hmm. and then you see something in the sky and you're like it's a UFO. But at yeah. Mount Rainier, when they first published the words flying saucer in the newspaper, it was like it was like a misquote. He meant like, gosh, I might have his name. You, um, uh, Kenneth Arnold. The, thank you. Yes. Yeah. He said that it looked like a saucer skipping across the water. And yeah, he's describing the movement of the exactly. objects. Yeah. And the newspaper's like, oh, it was the flying saucer. And now that's what we and call then all of a sudden UFOs, UFOs. turned into saucers. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I just think that there's this like 
this thing where we all kind of try to like the cool kids are talking about it. We all want to fit in. We all use the same like general vernacular around these things. I don't know. I think maybe there's something to that also. I don't doubt these people are seeing some weird ass shit for sure. I just think that it's interesting that there's a lot of coincidences and maybe they're not and maybe they're real or maybe we're all just you know looking for answers in something that's 45 feet away and we don't exactly know what we're looking at mm -hmm. maybe I, that's I by design maybe they yeah. don't want us to know. they're they're absurd by design that's that's the way it is that's what that's what valet talks about it is absurdity by design you know most of the time and like I think what you know when it comes to our brains because it's like we're we've reached the point where we're like slowly evolving like our brains suck i'm just gonna say it for the for the for what we need them for now they suck yeah. uh because like we weren't you know, built for this no no we're we're not built like everybody has depression because our brains are not meant for this kind of life but mm -hmm. um I think like one of the um, one of the things that I always keep in the back of my head is that like when people talk about being abducted by aliens, they always say, well, the aliens tell me that they're that I'm going to forget this, that like I, there's going to be no memory of what happened to me. Like it's something mm -hmm. that Betty and Barney Hill claimed. Um, mm -hmm. What I find interesting is like when you leave a room you forget a lot of the knowledge in the room that you were in because you do not need it for the room that you were going into. So it kind of makes sense that, mm -hmm. you know, within the structure of our brains, we wouldn't remember what happened on that ship. And then again, there are these very weird stories that are absurd as hell that somehow do not escape people's minds. They, they just don't make sense. And there's always some kind of absurd element introduced whether that is a headless bat-like creature that emerges shambling from some trees or some 10 foot tall cycloptic monster that just like wants to have a conversation with you which i'd totally be down for sometime if it can be like a civil conversation step out that ufo we can talk i'm cool with it you know if it's telepathic whatever i'll figure it out but um you know that also is is the the nature of these encounters in in general <laughs> they're happening yeah. to the most flawed people that they absolutely can which is all of us so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it makes you wonder what the hell is really happening why the hell do people report these things and why the hell do people still report these things i have no the idea. world may never know because we all just want to believe we don't even know how many licks it takes to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop. And and, and that commercial is a lie. It is not three. Okay? It's not. No. Uh, I, but... I counted one time when I was younger. I think it was like 136. And I thought I was so cool because I was like, I know. Mm -hmm. And everyone was like, you're weird for doing that. But okay, no one cares. Uh, I just cracked my tooth trying to eat one. No, it was, it was yeah. 136. I counted one time. I think I was like eight years old. You're, if you're one thing, we're getting answers. I was a weird kid, man. <laughs> Still am. I'm a weird adult. Weird adult. That's that's totally fair. I mean, weird adults have podcasts about weird stuff, exactly. and uh, you know, that's that's just we're what we thriving, do. Actually, all yeah. of us, but we do. We're it all doing we very do. well. 
<laughs> so like maybe the the one piece outfit is like the, the pyramidal structure that universal structure that so many cultures have because it's such a stable one it's mm-hmm. the it's the ideal outfit for any kind of space travel slash yeah. intergalactic travel it's just the most efficient form yeah, there it's it is. yeah. easiest you know you know just one swoop it's on maybe they're wearing like stylish little outfits under it and that's like their <laughs> coat you know yeah, I yeah. wear coveralls in the winter outside. Mm-hmm. You got to do it. That's yeah. what Ripley wore on, you know. Exactly. She uh, looked amazing. <laughs> she looked amazing and kicked a lot of alien ass. So, That's, you know. Maybe yeah. if that mother had been wearing a little stylish outfit also, they could have either bonded over it mm-hmm. or she would have been. Would have been a different ending. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Totally would have been a completely different movie. And, um, probably would have enjoyed it still i mean you know it's it, okay. it could be like the new kind of like barbie movie but for aliens mm-hmm. i could see that i love that mm-hmm. that's so nice but you know what yeah it's like girls girls right mm-hmm. yeah. I, yeah i love that energy i think that's great i think we've talked about a lot of really important topics here space fashion putting yep. flaps on a map for yep. sure yeah um a lot of humanoids a lot of varying sizes and shapes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've like it. we've done it, folks. We we've done <laughs> whatever this is. We've done the humanoids. Like we've just it, done we it. Did. We did do we it. Just, we just we fucking did it, you know? Like <laughs> we fucking did it, you guys. And you're welcome. Everyone listening, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. You are absolutely, absolutely welcome for all of this. So uh well nicole you have a podcast it's it's called the quite unusual podcast talk a little bit about that podcast because it's a pretty great podcast well i mean we had it's a research-based podcast it's we are the two your two hosts and we talk a lot about the stuff that we actually just talked about a lot of weird anything unusual anything yeah that's what we say anything unusual we got Mm -hmm. aliens cryptids ghost stories weird history cults unhinged history is my favorite of the top like you name it if it's weird we'll talk about it and i'd say it's like half research half comedy you get you get our uh our um comments in between so get the vibe and we we cover everything like we're doing a cult next we just did a weird one about um people eating mummies for some reason and turning them Mm -hmm. into paint Mm -hmm. uh we Mm -hmm. do murders we do uh the government hoarding hundreds of thousands of pounds of cheese and underground bunkers we do it all yeah. we do it all so and anywhere you listen to podcasts we're the quite unusual podcast that's us quite unusual that's them you should totally go listen to it um because you're not going to be able to listen to me for for quite there a you while go. you need yeah, something I mean, to listen to and then you need to fill uh, that void and we'll got, fill your void. We baby. Got, we'll fill yeah. every void that you have. Oh, we're gonna fill that void. We'll fill it right up. <laughs> you better, you better believe it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, you've got a void now. They'll fill it. Let them fill it for you. Okay. Let us fill, Let fill your fill void. void. No yes. flap unmapped. No <laughs> void unfilled. <laughs> That's a guarantee. That's, That's the quite uh, unusual guarantee. That's yeah. That that's a guarantee and a half. So. <laughs> Um, the, the main reason so right now. <laughs> we don't have lawyers. We yeah. Don't tell them that. <laughs> we don't. We're gonna get sued. 
Uh, so <laughs> yeah, the, the main reason why you, you're going to need to have that void filled mm-hmm. is because I'm taking time off from this podcast to go write a book about <gasps> fucking humanoids. Yes. So, yes. That's what we'd and, like to hear. And we're doing the forward. <laughs> I mean, we could we could do a second forward. You could do the second forward because uh we'll, we'll I, I somehow got and, a and John Tenney. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, John Tenney is doing the forward. I mean, if you want to do the afterward, you could do the afterward. Well, those shoes. We can't compete with we can't John fill Tenney. That void. That's a void. That's one that's void. A void we can that's one void fill. we avoid. He's <laughs> um he's he's less a void and more like a black hole um that is yeah. inescapable um okay. we'll do the backward we cannot, we'll do yeah. the forward we'll do the backward okay, you do okay. The we're, we're ironing this out like right now it's just I mean, it's happening live <laughs> we call your editor get them on the phone is it also brandon flowers because that's two birds one stone <laughs> i'm uh i'm going to go get brandon flowers number right after this and he <laughs> is going to somehow manage my entire existence after this because uh there is no other way of, of doing it i cannot live any other life now uh it has to be this so I, i've come out of my cage and i'm feeling just fine <laughs> do i have to be down because i want it all yes yes i do mm-hmm. that's just how it happens and it will start um, off with a kiss with, and it john, will, with john tenney's kiss and it'll end with us filling your void and it'll end like this right here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It, it absolutely uh-huh. will. So, yeah, there's there's not going to be a podcast probably for over a year. Um at least year, year and a half because here's the here's the fun thing. I don't know how to write a book, so I got to figure out how to do that <laughs> while doing it. So, Definitely um figure out how to write book. <laughs> yes, it is like it's the That's first thing true. I wrote down is like figure out how to write book i know <laughs> yeah. all this stuff how do i do this so it, really is, it is a three-step process figure out how to write a book write a book profit Bam. yeah exactly <laughs> like it's that fucking simple so Have that's you what we're doing out here. <laughs> i mean you got this i'm got i'm doing it. a bunch of that book reading stuff and it's like holy hell that's mm-hmm. what sentences are holy shit i did i didn't even know that um clearly i english was not my forte in school so (laughs) you know trying to make up for that as we speak so yeah like there's not gonna be a podcast here's the thing i'm gonna do patreon stuff though every month there's gonna be something here's the kicker why i'm incredibly poor and i need money (laughs) (laughs) it's an honest life it's it is an honest life and look i am selling myself to you keeping you entertained while i i I, there's some research still going on and writing a book so uh if you want to link join the page our strange thighs yeah it's up there got it you gotta get that there are those two uh erotic episodes on the patreon if that's your own if you're like thinking that's the closest you're gonna get to only fans with me uh but you know what if if you want to listen to me if you sickos want to listen to me read erotic <laughs> alien stories i did it twice so go to the Ooh, patreon right. join the patreon um, in the way. It's yeah. Only way to listen. yeah get your so by that erotic content yeah. yep and uh yeah so basically what i'll be doing is like 
I'll, I'll just be talking with people about certain things. I'll be talking about what I'm reading, what I think about what I'm reading, like, you know, kind of just keeping people updated. So if you want, if you want that stuff and you want to give me money and I know you want to give me money, it's patreon.com slash your UFO guy. Just, just go do it. Um, Beyond that, I have no pod network anymore. I'm not part of a network anymore. Um, so uh, the only person that I really need to give anything up to is floats for the use of the theme song, which is uh, still my favorite thing about this entire podcasting process. Um, beyond that, um, don't forget to look up because you never know what you'll find in our strange sky or when you put that flap on a goddamn map in gray we trust yeah i love it yeah it's delightful right